You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Bonjour, bongoists in bonnets bonding over the bonfire in preparation for the bond spiel. This is a Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 226. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your supernatural supervisor, super speeding on the super highway to get to the supermarket for superfoods in time for the Super Bowl. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Look, I got two sport references here today, just now. <laughs> Do we know what a bonspiel is? Oh, I thought it was a musical instrument. I was going to ask you what is it. I think you're thinking of the glockenspiel, right? I, I was yeah. thinking of the uh-huh. glockenspiel. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It is a curling tournament oh. for the great winter sport of curling, representing Winter Olympics in American football. We are recording on Super Bowl Sunday, hours yes. before the kickoff. Uh, by the time you hear this, obviously, we will have a champion by then, <laughs> hopefully. So um, a hearty congrats to the Los Angeles Rams. And, and, and well you done to them. You did yes, it. The, yes. Well oh, done. yeah. Who knew they were oh. even playing today? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today is an important day because it is our 10-year oh. anniversary. Yeah. Not continuously. But, no, you know. no, no, no. <laughs> but over a stretch of time, there are very few yeah. things in my life that I have sustained for 10 years with even including breaks in them. Yeah, not counting mm-hmm. living. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's an achievement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a great show. But before that, without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Here, I have a random trivial pursuit card you guys have your barnyard buzzers here we go let's answer some questions blue edge for geography what is the only u.s state allowed to fly its flag as high as the national flag oh didn't know there was a rule yeah that you couldn't There's do one that. that it's allowed to do it did they work something out allowed to okay i got a, so many guesses here i could uh, I guess maybe. i think that was dana first is it the Mile High State? Is it is, is that Colorado? Am I guessing? Is that oh, right? I like your thinking. Oh, because the the high altitude. Oh, that's <laughs> in that's terms clever. of absolute it is height. height. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Chris, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. Hawaii, you know, because it was an independent, you know, mm. kingdom, right? For a, mm. such a long time, I thought okay. maybe there was okay. a deal there. I don't know, but no. Interesting right. logic. Oh, okay. Incorrect. Colin. I'll guess, yeah. I'm going to guess Virginia. I'm just going to guess Virginia, maybe for some original origins region. I don't know. Out of all of your, your kind of reasoning, Chris uh, touched upon it. The answer is Texas. Texas. The Dang. only state that was previously a sovereign country. Mm, right, right, right. Yep, mm. yep. This is a weird one. Pink wedge for pop culture. Okay, listen to the, listen to the question. What... Quote, brother and sister, end quote. So what brother and sister Mm. duo covered the Dolly Parton song, Jolene? (laughs) Colin. Only because you have the heavy quotes on brother and sister. I'm going to guess the white stripes just because that was. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I was like the Osmonds, Donnie and Marie, but they really are the alleged brother and sister. (laughs) That is a strange question for Trivial Pursuit because the person has to read it out. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to, it's, you're not reading it. You know, you, the person has to say it. So they have to, yeah, they have to do exactly what you did, which is to go through some weird sort of contortions, like (laughs) air quotes. Quote unquote. Yeah. White Stripes, Meg and uh, Jack White, popularly believed to be a a sibling band, even though they're not. We're married though. They were married. Yeah, they're married. Why why the confusion? That's why they have the same last name. Why why does everybody think they're they're related? Who does this? Like... (laughs) They, they they saw people were like had this conception and they just decided hey yeah we'll go with it sure whatever right I mean but do you pretend you and your wife are brothers and sisters right, yeah exactly <laughs> like, <laughs> it's such a like commonly understood relationship <laughs> why 
Yeah. What, then why do they have the same last name? Answer me that. Yeah. yeah. What, what <laughs> other explanation could there be? <laughs> it's like that that mother is the doctor kind of question where you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, uh, okay. Next question, Yellow Edge. French Independence Day is celebrated each July 14th to commemorate the storming of which fortress? Everybody. La Bastille. Bastille. La Bastille. Down with the Bastille. All right, Purple Wedge. In which which magazine did Caitlyn Jenner make her world debut? This is a really great pub quiz. It is. Question. Dana. Is it Vanity Fair? Yes, it yeah. is Vanity okay. Fair. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Green Wedge for Science and Nature. What is the name of the international public venture that undertook discovering the complete sequence of our DNA? Oh. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. 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 Dana. The human, the human Genome Project. Yeah. Correct. Mm. The Human Genome Project. Starting in 1990, the project took 13 years to uncover all 3 billion base pairs. Wow. I didn't know it took that long. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Sports and leisure. This is a sports one. Colin, I'm going to ask you to sit out on this one. Okay, sure. And and may I wish you all bon spiel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is definitely a pub quiz classic. So oh. let's see, Dana and Chris, uh, put put our brain cells together. Okay, okay here we go. It's getting hot in here now. <laughs> Which two tennis players competed in the Battle of Sexes in 1973? <sighs> Billie Jean King. I think so. Yeah. Against? Was it John McEnroe? Mm. Or no? No. No. It was um, no. Uh, John McEnroe's a little bit later. Arthur Ashe. No. No. Uh, I will just tell you, it's not a household name. It is not a household oh, yeah. tennis name. No. Okay, oh, I know. Colin, you're going to you're gonna bond yeah. and spiel it for us? You're going to clear the ice? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Help, yeah. help us out, Colin. Clear the ice. <laughs> yes. I, I believe that was uh, Bobby Riggs. Yes, correct. Okay. Bobby Riggs, played by Bobby Steve Carell. <laughs> Bobby and Billy. Okay, good, good. By this time in the early 70s, Bobby Riggs was like, a, you know, he was kind of older. Yeah, it was yeah, like the tail end yeah, of his career. Yeah. So it was a stunt. It was, I mean, he it wasn't was... like a hot shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Up and coming player. We know Billie Jean King, but the other name is Bobby Riggs. Good job. Woo. Thanks, Ooh. Colin. That's yeah. why we're a team. Always That's our, why we're our a team. tennis expert. Yep. <laughs> We have a purple Patreon pledge fact. Uh, this is from Ryan C. from Armonk, New York. Oh, home of uh, home of uh, Dave Barry. Mm. Armonk, New York. Oh. Source for dad trivia here on Good Job Rain. <laughs> As a purple Patreon, he gets to uh, pick a couple of questions and facts that we can share on the show. And here's uh, his fact. We here at Good Job Rain love antipodes do you remember oh antipodes? yeah yeah i learned this term from you karen i i am i am absolutely <laughs> oh, really? yeah i came uh, far along Good in life me. without knowing it's 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 two spots on on the globe that are directly opposite each other correct yeah if you skewer mm-hmm. the earth go through right smack in the center um and you'd come out and that would be the the two cities or the two places would be antipodes obviously a lot of the antipodes in the world are like in the ocean but there are some really cool ones and here ryan he said the antipode of the city formosa in argentina is it taiwan or, or is it a, is a, in taiwan whoa, that's cool taiwan formally you know the island where i come from formally called formosa mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's really neat well 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 how about that the antipode of Formosa, Argentina is in Taiwan, formerly called Formosa. So Ryan is a dad to two wonderful girls, and uh, he also shared this fact. I think now that we're all parents, pretty interesting. So we we often hear about how strong the baby grip is, like the infant grasp. I've read this fact in baby books, you know, kind of in the way like, did you know a baby's grasp is so strong it can support its entire weight? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I was like, wait a minute. How how did they come to this conclusion? <laughs> there was an official test um, that the doctors and nurses would conduct with infants to basically gauge how strong their grasp is. Mm-hmm. And it's 
essentially the old hang a baby from a stick test. Right. That's what yeah. I would have. That's how I would have tested it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> they would take a stick, they would make the baby grab the stick, and they would lift the stick, yeah, like in air, and just wait until the baby falls off, right. and they time yeah. it. You know, the next step is to put weights on the baby and see how much. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, we don't want to know the floor. We want to know the ceiling here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Ryan, for uh, supporting us and for these wonderful facts. So, guys, today's episode 226, our 10-year anniversary. So, of course, a no-brainer. Today's episode is to celebrate 10, the number 10 decades. So, today, we're going for the perfect 10. Yes, happy 10th anniversary to this pod, the Good Job Brain podcast, and us, the cast, and the cast and cast and crew of the of the Good Job Brain pod, hardworking uh, behind the scenes. You don't see them; they're uh, they're so they're so important. We have the director, the second unit director, and the second the grip, unit, the grip. Yeah, yeah. get the grip. Yes. Yeah, second unit, the second unit director for the yeah for the you know the parts that are uh, shot. Uh, no animals were harmed. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah, the ra- all the all the yeah. I mean, yeah. the animal wranglers alone are uh, so much of the Patreon budget. <laughs> yeah, to celebrate this tenth anniversary, I have put together uh, what I am calling the ten ten quiz. All right, mm. this quiz is about events that occurred on October 10. Ooh, I like it. In okay. various years. I like so it. So I will give okay. you okay. the date and the year and the question, and you should use the date as a solving <laughs> aid for some of these. All things that have occurred throughout history on the date October 10. We're going to do this as a buzz-in quiz. Okay. All so right. get so get your barnyard buzzers ready, especially because I just have a lot of questions so we can kind of lightning round it a little bit. Right. So here we okay, go. Okay. Okay. Um all right. October 10, 1979. This California <laughs> rock band gets their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame 2 days before they release their album Tusk. Is that a Colin? Uh yeah. Colin. Colin. That's uh, Fleetwood Mac, yes? Yes, yes, yes. All right. October 10, 1846. English astronomer William Lassell discovers Triton, largest moon of this planet. Oh, we need Chris for this. Karen. Oh, is it Neptune? It is Neptune. Yeah. Uh, Ariel's dad. Ariel's dad. (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh King of the sea. October 10, 1973. This well-known host of the television news magazine Extra is born in Chula Vista, California. Extra 73. Oh, this person's not... Dana. Is it Mario Lopez? It is Mario Lopez. (laughs) (laughs) He did Extra for a long time. Uh, October 10, 1492. The crew of this ship attempts a mutiny. Oh. Ooh, which one was that? <laughs> I figure one of you is going to get this. Uh, Colin. Yeah. The Pinta. No. Ah. Dana. The Santa Maria? The Santa Maria. Yeah, ah, we got it too. Okay. All, right. All right. Very good. I think good. Columbus was on that one. Yeah, I think I guess he was that on the Santa sense. Maria. That's right. Yes, yes. Nice. the crew of the Santa yeah. Maria attempted a mutiny on October 10, 1492. October 10, 1973, this American vice president Whoa. resigns his office after being charged with tax evasion. Colin. Uh, I believe that's Spiro Agnew. It is Spiro oh! Agnew. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. October 10, 2003, this Quentin Tarantino film is released into theaters. 2003. Okay, so. Uh, uh, Kill Bill Volume 2. Ooh. It is not Kill Bill Volume Two. Oh, <laughs> if you, I would have accepted Kill Bill, but I, I can't okay, go with Volume okay. Two. October 10, 1946, The Triple Threat. This actor, dancer, singer who appeared in the original Broadway production of Jesus Christ Superstar, appeared in Alex Haley's Roots, and appeared in Zubilee Zoo, was born. 
Oh, oh, oh. Is it LeVar Burton? It is not LeVar Burton. No. God, oh, <laughs> I love Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, oh Jesus Christ Superstar. Roots. In. Not the movie. All right, folks. Oh my I'm going to go ahead and tell you that it's Ben okay. Vereen. Uh, ben Vereen. Uh, I know. Uh, Karen, I know you love Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, man. This one's got to hurt. October 10, 2007. This band takes a big risk and offers its latest album as a pay-what-you-want download. Ooh. The band. Yeah. Uh, Karen? Radiohead. Yeah. Radiohead. It was in Rainbows, yeah. and it was still a really yep. big success. Yeah, turns out it worked. October 10, 2010. The first episode of this animated cartoon reviving a popular 1980s toy line debuts, sending the popularity of the franchise skyrocketing, although not entirely among its intended target audience. Oh. Oh. Uh, Colin. Uh, uh, My Little Pony. Me the full oh. name of the revival. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dana. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Uh, yes, My Little Pony, yes. Friendship is Magic. Mm. Sorry, Colin. Mm. October 10, 1970, this four-letter Pacific Island country becomes independent from the United Kingdom. Mm. Dana. Fiji? Fiji! Mm. Fiji. October 10 is Fiji's Independence Day. October 10, 1924, this author, known for novels such as Shogun, is born. Oh, you made a joke about it, Colin, before. No one knew that name except for you. Oh, God. Colin! Uh, that's James Clavell, is that right? James Clavell. Yes. Yeah, okay, all right. Born on 1010. <laughs> Solidly in the dad zone here. I mean, we yep, got yep, Dave yep, Barry, yep. James Clavell. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. October 10, 1964. The opening ceremony of the Summer Olympics in this Asian city is the first to be relayed around the world by satellites. Ooh. Ooh. <sighs> uh, Colin? Tokyo. Tokyo. It is yeah. Tokyo. Yep. Yep. Nice. October 10, 1985. Sad day for fans of the movies. The director of Citizen Kane and the lead actor in The King and I both die on the same day. Mm. Oh. Who are they? Uh, Karen. Yul Brenner. Uh-huh. Or Sinwell. Mm. Yeah, there you yes. go. Yes, yes. We're, we're all pulling for you. We're rooting for you for that one. All right, final question. October 10, 1913, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson sends a signal from the White House by telegraph. This signal triggers an explosion that completes major construction on this project. Whoa, that's cool. Oh, Isn't that cool? That is cool. 19... 1913. 1913. Woodrow Major... Wilson. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine. Okay. Hits a yeah, sends a signal huh. via telegraph. The signal triggers an explosion that completes this construction Whoa, project. Okay, so wow. Okay. 19... 1913. It's not Mount Rushmore. I, I mean, it's, it's something of national significance. Guess, Karen's got to guess. What, are you hosting this quiz now, Colin? <laughs> Route, Route 66. It, no, it's uh... not Route 66. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hint. Okay. The explosion destroyed the Gamboa Dyke. Oh. Okay. Oh. 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 I, is it the Hoover Dam? Yeah. It's not guess. the Hoover Dam. Oh. Some kind of dam, though. Some kind of some kind mm -hmm. of water power project. All right. I'm gonna. I will rescue you. All right. Please. October 10. You're gonna kick yourselves. October 10, All 1913. Right. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson sends a signal via telegraph. That signal triggers an explosion that destroys the Gamboa Dyke, thus completing major construction on. The Panama Canal. Oh, oh okay. wow! So far away. Yeah. Well, that's why they use the yeah. telegraph. But it was more. Oh, it was this cool symbolic thing. Like, oh, Mr. President, yeah, 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 we're yeah, gonna yeah. let you blow yeah. it up. Yeah. Well, great job, everybody. A little bonus <laughs> trivia for you. October 10 is uh, World Mental Health Day and also World okay. Porridge Day. 
So you, you choose how you want to deal with that information. <laughs> or both. <laughs> All right. So uh, I figured I'd go back to my roots, which is weird animal facts. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to introduce you to the decapod. Mm. The decapods. Order mm. of crustaceans, literally meaning 10-footed decapod. And this includes a lot of the crustaceans we know. Crabs, shrimps. Wait, do shrimps have 10 feet? <laughs> many of these animals have many, many appendages, but they're counting what they call a walking legs. Okay. Okay. Huh. So even though when you look at shrimp, you're like, there are a lot of things happening. Um, decapods, not all of them technically have 10 legs or 10 feet. So what I want to talk about is lobsters. I want to tell you guys a story uh, <laughs> on a normal Tuesday in 2020, not that long ago in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, mm -hmm. at the Red Lobster restaurant. <laughs> uh, employee Laura Jones, not Nora Jones, Laura Jones was at work doing her day to day, including unpacking a delivery of live lobsters that was airlifted from lobster fisheries. This story is going to She opens rule. it up. I can, I can already second <laughs> <laughs> I'm in it. I want to hear more. Okay. She opens it and she noticed something weird. She noticed that there was a blue lobster. Ooh. Okay. And I'm not talking like vaguely blue mm -hmm. or like maybe has a bluish <laughs> undertone under some light. Like it was a blue lobster and, and it's obviously very rare yeah she named her it's a girl lobster she named her claude c-l-a-w-d-e okay okay they worked with the monterey bay aquarium conservation program and relocated claude to to the akron zoo mm. oh blue lobster oh so this is in 2020 in the next year Employees at another Red Lobster. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, uh, of course, for many uh, non-American listeners, this is our seafood lobster restaurant chain. Mm -hmm. Employees at another Red Lobster, <laughs> this time in Manassas, Virginia, discovered another weird colored lobster in its delivery crate. This time, it's what they call a calico Ooh. lobster. Whoa. It's brown and it has mottled, like, freckly, bright yellow spots. Again, this is also very rare. They relocated uh, freckles to a to the Virginia Living Museum, <laughs> and this was the second time that this restaurant rescued a rare colored lobster. <laughs> Obviously, there are a lot of questions. What is it with rare colored lobsters? How do they get their different colors? Um, how actually rare is it? Why do they keep ending up <laughs> yeah. at Red Lobster? <laughs> So the lobsters I'm talking about is, is you know, the sort of generic seafood lobster, uh, American lobsters. And they're usually fished out of Maine or in the New England area. They're not an exotic species. When they're alive, they're brown. Yeah, brownish. You know, they're like yeah. muddy colored. Less rusty. They're kind of dark, yeah. dark coffee color. Yeah. But rare color oddities do exist huh. in these lobsters. Basically, every color of huh. the rainbow. The rarest variations people have seen are a white albino crystal lobsters. They're, they're called oh, crystal oh, lobsters. Oh, I saw a picture of yeah. an yeah. albino lobster mm -hmm. before. Crystal lobster sounds like something that would have been popular in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to go with your crystal Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. It's the lobster for the next generation, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't your father's lobster. Yeah. Crystal lobster. So how rare is it? Out of all these rare colors, the most common rare color is actually blue. Okay. One in two million. Mm. Wow. During the summer, there could be around 500 million lobsters around Maine. So mm -hmm. one in two million is rare, but there's 500 million lobsters out there. It yeah, happens, you'll, you'll, yeah, right? you'll occasionally yeah. see it. Yeah. The, the next rare color is red, one in 10 million. Then yellow, one in 30 million. Orange, one in 30 million. Calico, one in 30 million. Why does this happen? How do lobsters change color or why are there different colored lobsters and when you look at these lobsters they're like really blue they're really red they're really yellow so lobsters store a naturally occurring carotenoid 
mm-hmm. called astaxanthin. Astaxanthin. It's kind of like a red pigment. It's actually what makes salmon, you know, the salmon we eat, it makes it pink or it makes it red. Okay. So lobsters get it from eating plant material, mm. you know, that occur in algae. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're looking at a live brown lobster. What you're looking at is actually three layers of colors on top of each other. Hmm. The most inside layer of the three layers is lobster skin. And it's really strange to think that lobsters have skin, but they do. Hmm. So their skin underneath the, the layers of shell is actually red from hmm. astaxanthin. Right? Okay. This pigment, as the lobster is storing it, the pigment actually gets moved up into the layers of the shell. So the next layer, the astaxanthin, the red pigment, actually uh, combines with the proteins from that layer. And the proteins grab the pigment, they kind of twist around and modify it so that it becomes blue. Mm. So the second layer turns this pigment into blue based on the proteins that live in the shell. Then the next layer you see turns those pigments into yellow. So what you're seeing is three layers, a yellow layer in the shell, a blue layer in the shell, and the red layer from the lobster skin, Hmm. all kind of compounding together to make this brown color. Like you got like transparencies stacked up on top of each other. Yes. Here we have two factors, right? We have the lobster's diet. The lobster is eating this uh, astaxanthin, this red pigment that, you know, that produces the red color. And... Also, we're talking about the lobster's genetics in developing the proteins. You know, if all goes according to plan, they're going to show up brown. But through the combinations of diet and genetics, the shell can exhibit, you know, a bunch of colors, right? So, for example, the bright red lobster probably means that the proteins in the blue and yellow layers aren't really there to bind to the pigment to change it to blue or yellow. Okay. So it's almost like it's not working. And so through the combination of, of whatever the lobster's diet is and through the protein generation, um, you can have a, a whole rainbow, a whole Roy G. Biv of lobster colors. <laughs> Just tuning the dials on the different layers. Yep, and, yeah. yep exactly. Yeah. Do they have natural predators? I'm ignorant of lobsters in the wild. Like, is, is there, are they at a disadvantage if they're bright blue? If they can survive from predators... Then your next level is getting to the lobster fisheries that maybe mm. someone there will notice. Mm. And if someone doesn't notice, then the kind of your last stop is the red lobster. Wow. In addition to a whole possible rainbow of colors, there are crazier, further genetic anomalies that can produce even crazier colored lobsters. There is the split lobster that has been caught before, which is half black, half orange. Like straight down in the middle. One in 50 million. And scientists think that it was because of a cellular split, like after fertilization. There's also the (laughs) white albino lobster, one in a hundred million. And then kind of a subset of the white lobster. There are pastel lobsters. They're called bubblegum lobsters. (laughs) Sadly, no matter what color lobster it is, when they get cooked, all their shells turn red. I was going to ask that. Because... Uh, what dictates their color is the proteins, right? When you're heating up, the proteins break down. What shows up is just the astaxanthin that's like bright red. My theory of why Red Lobster was donating them at first was like, oh, because nobody would want to buy it. You know, it's like they bring mm. it to the table and it's a weird color. You're like, what is this? We're at Red Lobster. Why are you bringing me Blue Lobster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they turn red anyway after you cook them. And one last thing I found out about lobsters, and it's so smart, is that the people at University of Maine, Maine, the probably the, the state that produces the most uh, lobsters for the country, they use the byproduct of the lobster canning industry. You get a lot of like leftover shells, mm. right? So what they did was they took the leftover shells, made it into a paste, and they now make golf balls out of ground up (laughs) lobster shells and they're biodegradable so you see them more um on cruise ships Uh, on like the very fancy cruise ships people do like driving range Mm. yeah 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 yeah. oh okay i don't play golf or go on cruises it must be really fun to uh hit golf balls into the ocean on a a cruise yeah (laughs) it's gotta be a blast (laughs) 
And now you can you can hit hit lobster balls. Just to like really show off humanity's dominance over the ocean. Like we're on this big boat throwing the, the skeletons back into the exactly. ocean. Like, yep. exactly. Yeah, here you go. Here's here's something for our leisure that we made out of your husks. Yeah, we perverted their form yep. and ground it and made it into a ball. Get it just get it right into a whale's blowhole, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna intro this segment with that sound clip, and I was like, "Oh, I don't want to spoil it." <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break. And if you've been a longtime Good Job Brain listener, you know that after our ad break, uh, we often play a Good Job Brain bumper, kind of acting as like a nice little bridge to help you ease back into the show. Uh, my favorite one and the one that we commonly use is our is our smooth jazz bumper for the season and to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. We are opening it up to you and celebrating you, dear listeners. Uh, this year we will be featuring bumpers made by listeners. And if you're interested in submitting one, you can go to our website and there's a link at the top. So please enjoy our listener submitted bumpers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good job, Karen. Good job, Colin. Good job, Dana. Good job, Chris. Good job, Brian. Who is Brian? I'm actually you're listening to. Good job, Brain. Good job, Brain. Good job, Brain. We're back. Welcome. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week we're celebrating the power of 10. Yeah, I can't believe it's been 10 years since we started this. I mean, I can believe and I also can't believe it's been 10 years. (laughs) So this quiz is what happened in 2012. I think we might have done a 2012 quiz before. But again, this is a test of memory. Trivia is a lot about like, what do you remember about what happened? Do you still remember the things that you used to know? What happened in 2012? Oh, there was a presidential election. I was like, who is in the presidential election? It's like, I don't remember what <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is. I was like, oh, this is perfect for a quiz because these are questions where you're like, I know the answer. I was a grown up when this all happened. But uh, <laughs> but no, don't remember. Don't remember. We'll see how you guys do. All right. First question. So in the U.S. presidential election of 2012, who, who ran <laughs> oh, against no. Barack Obama and Joe Biden? So I want the president and the vice presidential. Oh, oh, oh. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Karen. Was it Mitt Romney? Yeah. And who yeah. was the VP? Oh, oh no. Uh, um, Paul. <laughs> what, what, CrossFit guy. Paul Ryan. Yes. Good job. The CrossFit yes. guy. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Yes. CrossFit guy. Yeah. Nice. Good pull out. <laughs> okay. A James Bond movie came out in 2012. Do you know which one? It, well, Casino Royale was the first one of Craig back, so that was that was too early, right? And oh. then there was uh, Quantum of Solace. Solace. There and then was Skyfall. Skyfall. He's done five oh, of them. One, which one is it? Okay, I think Skyfall was too recent. Maybe it's Quantum of Solace. Yeah, Skyfall was not ten years ago. Skyfall was ten years ago. What? It was ten years ago. <laughs> you sorcerer on the podcast. Skyfall was twenty twelve. Wow. My goodness. That and that was um uh, uh, Adele, right? Did the yeah. uh, the, the soundtrack right? Oh man. Oh my man. god. Um, there was a new Disney princess added to the to the mix in twenty twelve. Who was that? 
Oh, geez. Okay, okay, okay. It wasn't Frozen. Frozen was 2013. So it was... Oh, oh, yeah. So it had to be... Chris? Rapunzel. No. What? Ooh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> there was also Brave. She technically is a princess. That was uh, Merida. Okay, prin- was that her name? I'm just, I'm just going. Yeah. I'm just going with Tiana. No, uh, and yeah. Rapunzel okay. Tangled was 2010. 2010. So you guys said it. Oh. 2012 oh. was Brave. Was Merida? Oh. Merida. Yes. So there was a Spider-Man movie that came out in 2012. Uh, who was who was Spider-Man at that time? Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I heard All a right. doggy. Oh my God, is it ten years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Garfield. Yes, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. It's, wow, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Meryl Streep won an Oscar that year for her portrayal of a historical figure. Do you know the movie and the role? What's that? Oh. Karen. Wait, I think we talked about this recently, Karen. Iron Lady Margaret Thatcher yeah. uh, starring Meryl Streep. Yes. Was Margaret Thatcher alive when that happened? Oh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to vote I no. I didn't know she... You didn't know she died? There was that whole uh, Ding Dong, <laughs> the Witch is Dead, like, was number one right. on iTunes That's when that right. happened. That's oh, right. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. she alive in yeah. 2012, though? I'm going to go with... Yeah. Yes. I say no. No. She was, but she died in 2013. Ah. Not that long ah. after this. I wonder if she watched the movie. I don't know. Oh, I guarantee it. If you if you were alive and a movie came out about you, even if, if you didn't admit it? it, you would watch it. Don't you think? I don't know. All right. The day before the 2012 Grammys, a six-time Grammy award-winning musician died. Who was it? This is a very Ooh. famous musician. 2012. Mm-hmm. How, uh, okay. Chris. Ray Charles. No. Whitney Houston. Oh, oh 2012. 2012. 2012. Okay. Yes. And Jennifer Hudson, the producers got Jennifer Hudson to sing a tribute to her. Do you know what song she sang? Mm. What Whitney Houston song Ooh. did Jennifer Hudson sing at the Grammys? Yeah, what would be sing something <laughs> upbeat? <laughs> My name is not Susan. <laughs> <laughs> I will always love oh, you. Okay. I will always love you. Yes. The classic. Yes, yes, yes. Someone swept the Grammys that year by winning six. They tied for the most won by a female artist in one night that year. Ooh. Somebody was a big star of the Grammys that 2012? year. 2012? That's got to be. Karen. Tay-Tay. Nope. Whoa. You know, we, we talked about her earlier in this quiz, in fact. Or Adele? No. Adele. Oh, it yeah. It was Adele. Oh, that's right. Because Skyfall right. came out. Okay. Uh, in 2012, Queen Elizabeth of the UK celebrated an important anniversary. Which one was it? Oh, yeah. It was one of the... Jubilee. Uh, the uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which one? Right. Diamond. Diamond. Diamond Jubilee. Yes. And how many years did that recommend? Or, or how many years did that represent? Oh. Not 50. Jubilee was 60. Yeah, 60. It was 60. So now 10 years okay. later, she's getting another Jubilee for 70 years. Wow. Um, Good for her. I know. Do you know which Jubilee this is? The uh, Blue Lobster. Platinum. Jubilee. Yes. <laughs> lobster. <laughs> the Blue Lobster Platinum Jubilee. Yes. Uh, there was a major breakthrough in physics in 2012 where physicists were able to create what the popular media called the God Particle. Do you know uh-huh. what, what the common name for the God Particle? Uh, I, In fact, oh. I do, Dana. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> That uh, <laughs> That is the Higgs boson. That's right. Okay. In 2012, a Mr. Rogers Neighborhood spinoff was launched for people with small children. <laughs> what, Chris? It's, it's Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. That's right. Is that what Daniel Tiger is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a puppet. It's a Mr. Yeah. Rogers? Yeah. Mr. Rogers. Yeah. yeah. He's from the MRU. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last section are words that were added in 2012 to the Merriam-Webster Ooh. Dictionary versus words nice. that were added in 2019 to the Merriam-Webster okay. Dictionary. So okay. you have to decide, do you think this was a 2012 word or 2019 word? I oh, picked gosh, 2019 okay. because it's like contemporary, but not about the pandemic. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right, yes. right. Okay. Yeah. Smart. First word, energy drink. Or words. Chris. 2012. Yep. 
2012. Yeah. And we, mm. we called it go-go juice based on toddlers <laughs> and tears. And that fueled yes. Karen through many oh, early recordings right. yes. of our yep. podcast. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. How about Swole? Oh. Chris. I'm going to say 2019. 2012 seems a bit early for Swole. It's 2019. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Because they, they don't like, they don't rush to put these in the dictionary. Yeah, like, that's yeah, they, they yeah they're around speed, for a while. You know, for sure. power, yeah. power, yeah. What about sexting? Oh. 2012. Colin. I'm going to say 2012, because I feel like like enough I young people all... had cell phones then that it would be a new-ish thing. I say 2019. It was 2012, and you know why? There was a major political scandal around sexting that happened. Do you remember who was involved with that? Anthony Weiner scandal happened in 2011. So all of a sudden, everybody was talking about sexting. Oh, that makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) What about EGOT? (laughs) Okay. I was going to say 2019. It was 2019. What? Yeah. But it was a 30 Rock. I know. I know. But the, I think the reason why is because in 2018, three people EGOTed in 2018. Oh. Yeah. So it was Andrew Lloyd Webber, John Legend, and Alan Menken all EGOTed mm. that year. Whoa. Yeah. What about Bucket List? Well, they made a movie with yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. I would I would probably yeah. say I would say 2012. Like that seem, oh, I would say oh. 2012. It seems old enough to be. <laughs> it's 2012, and the movie came okay. out in 2007. Yeah. So yeah. wow, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, wow, yeah. All right, uh, last one. What about Stan? Like a oh, to oh, Stan, to Stan yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, I would say I, yeah. I, again, I feel like 2019. Yeah, kind of yeah. exploded in use, right? So a stan is an extremely or excessively enthusiastic and devoted fan. It was added to the dictionary in 2019. Do you know where the word stan came from? Eminem. Eminem. Yeah. Do you know what year that was? No, don't even. Don't even. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> this will make you feel very okay, old. Okay. 2000. And- um, 2001 90s? Mm, no, 1999. You guys are right around. It's 2000 is when that song came out. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. wow. Yes. We sandwiched yes. it. Yeah. Good job, you guys. 2012. Not that long ago, but no. a yet. long time ago. And yet. Yeah. <laughs> I got a segment for you guys called Take 10, America. It is about our country's uh, bumpy, bumpy relationship over many, many, many years with the metric system, the base oh! 10 system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was in uh, Seattle a few months ago. I took a trip up there. I was at the airport. I got my rental car. And it was one of those times, I don't know what was going on. There was a really long wait for the car. I couldn't just walk up and get it. I had to go to a little Mm -hmm. booth. They had to bring the car around to me. I was waiting in line. It was late at night. I was really tired. They finally bring the car around. And I notice uh, the car has Canadian plates. You know, and I think to myself, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, I mean, Seattle probably does a lot of cross-border trips. You know, I mean, Vancouver, I mean, is just two, three hour drive from Seattle, right? So I was like, oh, that's okay. It's kind of fun. I don't think I've driven a car with Canadian plates before. Didn't think too much of it. I get in the car and I load all my stuff in and I start to drive away and I'm like, well, that's interesting. Everything in this car is labeled in metric units. I'm like, the the temperature controls are in Celsius. Odometer and the odometer are in kilometers. And I'm like, I'm kind of nervously chuckling to myself. "Ah, ah, Yeah, and it really, I mean, as funny as it sounds, I really did just have a little flash of like, oh, wait a minute, what am I going to do here? I mean, you know, the temperature, fine. I, I'm, I'm comfortable yeah, or I'm yeah. not. What but, are you going to you know, do? <laughs> so, yeah, what did I do? I, so I realized, like, this is not just a car with Canadian plates. I'm like, duh, of course, in like my American-centric world, it's, it's sold for the Canadian market, and they do things in the metric system there, and it makes perfect sense. So I poked around a little bit. Luckily for me, only some of these uh, units were painted on. <laughs> like the the temperature controls were painted on. The uh, the little gas tank indicator was painted on. But I could at least digitally toggle the uh, speedometer oh. and odometer to good old good old miles and give myself some comfort there. Um, <laughs> it really got me thinking again. Just at many points in my life, I think just how fundamentally hilarious it is just that we as a country just have time and again decided 
nah, nah, we're good. We don't, we don't need the metric system. We're, it's fine. We don't care that every, that, that, that almost literally everybody else has, has decided to do this. So yeah. So Karen, when, you know, we realized this was going to be the 10 or 10th anniversary episode and you kind of said 10 themed, you know, almost just sort of, I let my brain go to that place to just like, all right, what comes to mind? 10, 10, 10. And believe it or not, one of the first things that popped into my head was a jingle that I heard on TV many, many, many years ago. Uh, I think probably before you guys were born even. Um, I want to play a little jingle for you. This would have aired as a uh, public service announcement on like no. Saturday morning cartoons. This is from 1978. All right. And uh, I, I will uh, just play this a little bit here for you guys. Take 10 America to learn the metric way. It's a simple system based on tens that you can start today. Efficient, more accurate, more universal too. It's good for our economy, our country, and for you. Now there's meter, a meter, it's a little more than a yard. You think about it that way, it's really not so hard. The leader, the leader, now please don't sell it short. It works out fine if you keep in mind it's a little more than a quart. What that was, was a public service announcement as one of the sort of last big pushes of the late 70s to get America on board with let's go metric. Come on. It's finally time. Everyone else has done it. Every other industrialized nation Can has I done say, it. Can I say that was the most infuriating, condescending thing I've heard in a long time. I was really angry. Hey there, dumbass. Learn this stupid yeah. thing. Also, it's so fast where it's like, it's just like a quartz. And I was like, wait, what? What's like a quart? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a kid. Like I'm I'm you know like I'm four. I don't know what a quart is. Um, I'm forty years old. I'm like what? What's happening? <laughs> Look, the, the the there's sort of a, a a narrative for years and years about why America doesn't have the metric system. And I I love America. America has been very good to me, etc. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that as a nation, we are perhaps perhaps uh, resistant to change, uh, motivated by money and vaguely suspicious of anything European or heaven forbid, specifically even French. And as you heard in the lyrics, you know, they're like, it's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for our economy. It's good for this and that and the other. And the economy part, that, that's really what it all comes down to is that it is so inefficient for us to be the one industrialized country and a big one at that on the world stage that we just don't by and large use metric units for measurements Everybody else imports, exports, does metric. They have to work around us. We have to work around them. So many times over the years, they've kind of tried these, you know, sort of public education and nudging campaigns. And that was that was a big one in the 70s. Um, it did not take. Uh, I mean, as you can tell, it's been this <laughs> whole time and we are not, you know, by and large <laughs> using most of us kilograms and kilometers and meters and grams. There are uh, there are big parts of our American society where we do use, you know, the metric system. I mean, you know, very famously, you know, you read any article about this and they'll point out like soda. You know, every every red blooded American knows a two liter of soda. And that is just a solid, mm -hmm. solid. You know, oh, we don't even think twice yeah. about it. We just say, you know, we'll put the, the two liter yeah. of soda in the cart next to the gallon yep. of milk kind of just but happily this, riding along. But there. if yeah, you suggest yeah. to somebody that they would go and purchase a liter of milk, they would look at you like you were from Mars. They, they have actually. <laughs> tried at, at points in the past to, to convert milk over to three or four liter jugs and Americans just won't do it. They won't take it. It's so funny. We're willing to do it for soda, wine even. You know, you buy a bottle of wine. It's, yeah. you know, typically 750 milliliters, oh, yes. right? And that's very standard. You go to Europe, yeah. you go wherever, it's fine. But no. for whatever reason, just we, we just, we will like, we will, milk. we will not give up our gallon or half gallon of milk or a quart of milk. It's so funny. Well, I guess some places they kind of still mix hybrid systems right even england of course you know which uh after many many centuries they're yeah they're Eng england is <laughs> england god bless them they have a good hybrid system i mean so look all right going going way 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 back and we're not going to do a history of weights and measures here but you know obviously going way back 
every country would have their own system. Towns and regions would have their own idiosyncrasies. And it just, it was, it's a function largely of trade. You know, it's like as trade gets bigger, money's behind it, economy's behind it. It behooves everybody to kind of standardize things. So, you know, how standardized your economy is, is, is in some ways a good measure of how much you interact with uh, the outside world. Generally, mm, generally, other countries, right. Yeah. So, you know, mm. we inherited the inch pound system from England, even after the American Revolution, our, our, our main trading partner for most of the time was England, and we were their main trading partner. It really does come down to just time, money, and effort converting over to the metric system. You know, I mean, it was not until at, well after World War II that even England kind of started all right, we got to convert to the metric system now, like formally, even if we still retain a lot of these other things. So in the mid 60s, uh, the UK, I should say, not just England, the UK is like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to get on board kilometers, kilograms, everything. Let's and they, they, they were largely successful. I had they, they did a really good job in a very short period of time. But so the fact that the UK was able to do it, like Congress is like, oh man, all right, we're starting to look really bad here. Like if, I mean, like we got this system from them and like if they're switching over from inches and pounds, like we're looking pretty bad here. So in 1968, Congress authorized a three-year study. And out of that study came a report titled <clears throat> A Metric America, A Decision Whose Time Has Come. <laughs> and uh, they concluded that that eventually it's just a matter of time. Now here's, I think, where all of these efforts have fallen down. Now- Congress, it says, in fact, right in the Constitution that Congress has the ability to establish weights and measures like they, they could just do this. They could just say this is the law. But time and time again, our Congress is like, let's make it voluntary and let's just encourage people to do it. And sure enough, that's what they did. They've had a, the Metric Conversion Act of 1975. Like they established the U.S. Metric Board to just get everyone on board. And out of that board would have come things like that PSA that I played jingle. a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm, that little jingle, Oof. just education. Um, and they would fund things like putting up dual measurements in places, you know, oh, and road signs yeah. that would be in miles and kilometers, kind of try and ease people in. Um, it was, you know, well-meaning, but th there was ultimately no, no teeth behind it. You know, the, the, it was all voluntary. Businesses didn't have to do it. States didn't have to do it. And, you know, it's kind of, we're like a make me or I'm not going to do it country in some ways. So <laughs> the, uh, the metric board was disestablished in the fall of 1982. Oh. Um, yeah, unfortunately. In 1994, the Fair Packaging and Label Act was enacted. And now what oh. this does is for food packaging Nutrition in particular, data. that's right. It required both systems of measurements to be on packaging yes. for things sold in the US, okay? And this this went over really well. There was there was minimal resistance. I mean, comparatively, like the average consumer new. didn't really care about it. We're, we're making progress in some areas. Like if you're any kind of science or engineer, you use metric yeah. units, SI units. I mean, if you're in the military, you know, they don't measure things in miles. It's kilometers. You know, I mean, if you're oh. a athletics, athletics, even mostly, mostly has converted to metric units and, you know, track and field, you know, swimming. Um there are some colloquialisms I don't think they'll ever go away. Like in the NBA, you know, like you talk about a seven footer and it's just, I, 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 that, that's never going to change. Like, you know, height and if, weight is hard. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is hard. Is... It is hard. Yeah. We're not going to talk about yeah. a, you know, he's a good 2.13 meter guy on the team. It just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have the same yeah. ring. Um, yeah. I found a document from the 19 from 1997 with a, a recipe for metric chocolate chip cookies, uh, you know, to kind of oh, show you like you can do it. Right. Yes. Yeah. All the measurements are metric. The, the oven temperatures in Celsius. You can do it, guys. You can really do it. The best, the best anecdote that I could find here that maybe in retrospect is a little prophetic uh, with regards to America and the metric system <laughs> and base 10 there's a French scientist named uh, Joseph Dombey, and he was active in the late 1700s, and he was uh, acquainted with Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, of course, as you know, uh, had a great affinity with all things French, and among many other things, he really, really, really thought it would be great we're a young nation. Let's move away mm. from English measurements. Let's move away oh. from Dutch measurements, which were also in use. It was kind of a mix. We had a little bit. It wasn't 
even just pure inch. It was just, it was kind of a hodgepodge, you know, this new fangled kilogram kilometer system. I, I think system. this could be great. Right. Exactly. The French system. Uh, in 1793, Thomas Jefferson, he requested, can I get one of these weights that we can sort of start our own system? So uh, Joseph Dambé was sent from France with a standard kilogram represented weight. And he was on a ship. The <gasps> ship gets blown off course. The ship gets captured by pirates. He gets sentenced to a prison sentence on uh, Montserrat and he died. And so we oh, never got what the things. It never made it to Thomas Jefferson. We never got the standard kilogram. Whoa. And it was sort of just, you know, hijacked along scene. the way. Yeah. Well, it's probably um, in yeah, in someone's collection somewhere in the world, right? But I, I mean, who knows? Like, what is this stick? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is this thing? Who knows what the course of our weights oh and measures gosh. in America could have been like if this kilogram had made it to Thomas Jefferson's desk way, 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 way back then. As you guys all know, our uh, beloved Transportation Security Administration, when they first passed the rule, remember, like, you can't bring fluids on liquids on a plane over yes. uh, three ounces, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so their original goal was three ounces. That's what they wanted. But that comes out to 89 milliliters. And the European Union in particular was like, no, this is BS. So they made them round up, basically. So that's why it is 3.4 ounces, because that's 100 milliliters even so there's a little bit of you know give and take there uh required from us to sort of you know mesh with the rest of the world mm -hmm. there's hope there's hope for us yet um but yeah even if i'm not quite ready to rent a car cold uh with you know canadian measurements on it if you couldn't change it what would you have tried to exchange for a u.s car <laughs> uh, you know i because I, I would have been like ah, i'll figure it out i mean it's you know i'll just drive as fast as i think is safe i'm not really worried about you know <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> sort of yeah i'll just go I'll drive my feel yeah. yeah yeah uh sir do you know how fast you're going well, you know officer i was kind of just driving by feel <laughs> No numbers in this car, just vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Vibing. Some people point out, some people point to the fact that we've kind of shifted uh, the way we talk about thousands uh, in like salaries. Like we, we, we don't, we don't say like, oh, you know, he makes, you know, 80 G's. Like we say, oh, he makes 80 K. Right. Yeah, that's true. That is definitely a kind of a small oh. little, a little victory for, Yeah. Some people say uh, that when we switch to electric cars, you know, the fact that we'll be measuring, mm. you know, the charging power in base 10 might maybe move us away from gallons and gasoline. Yeah. And that might be one other kind of oh, know, true. real, yeah. real, real yeah. hardcore yeah. American volume. Do you feel like it would happen in our lifetime? Mm. <sighs> yeah. I'm dubious, but it's possible. I would say maybe the end of our, toward the end of, like our kids, maybe. We'll be in the hospital the doctors be like give him 100 cc's of fluid it's like you give me 3.8 fluid <laughs> or let me die everybody shush william shatner has something to say cat and jethro box of oddities what do you do when the woman you love dies well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, my turn. I have a, one last quiz. I had a quiz last season inspired by what I call a triple firsty. A triple firsty oh, is yeah, a, yeah. a person yeah. with a three word name, um, but each one of these names are like first names. Uh, so for example, like Philip David Thomas. Jacob Thomas, you know, 
at my old work, there was an applicant um, applying for a job. We noticed that this person had like a three word name and all of them were like first names. And my coworker is like, oh, it's a triple firsty, which he said it so matter of factly. And I was like, this is great. And since that moment, I think about this all the time about like tri- what, what counts as a triple firsty. So we did part one um, in a previous episode where it just turns out like a lot of the 90s and 2000s heartthrobs uh, mm-hmm. all had uh, triple firsty names. Sean William Scott, Chad Michael Murray. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> yeah. And so now I've come back with more triple firsties. Now with some famous ladies involved right. as well. Yeah. Uh, so okay. I'm going to ask a question and the answer is a a famous triple firsty name. How do I know what counts as a first name? Because, you know, these days a lot of people have very last name sounding first names. Um, so this is what I call the <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus standard. Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> is like in the middle, right? Okay. Where uh-huh. Billy's yeah. a name, a Ray's uh-huh. a name. Uh-huh. Cyrus is a name. Yeah, is, unquestionably. Is a first name. unquestionably. Yes, yes, but not as common. At the Billy Ray Cyrus standard is all of these names are more common. Okay. okay. More common right. than Cyrus. More common than okay. Cyrus. Okay. I see what you're right? saying. Does All that right. make sense? Okay. Uh, yep. 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 Like yep. Bryce Dallas Howard, mm, a little bit on the other side. I like it. Arbitrary, <laughs> but fair. Yeah. Yes. The Billy Ray Cyrus standard. Here we go. Buzz in with your triple first D. She stole our hearts as a teenager in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Then she freaked us all out as the psycho stalker in Single White Female. That is Dana. Is it Jennifer Jason Lee? Yes, it is Jennifer yeah. Jason mm-hmm. Lee. Good job. All right. This triple firsty was ranked number five of the greatest radio show host of all time and at number 11 as the greatest TV talk show host of all time. Oh. Wow. Greatest radio show mm-hmm. host. We Damn. probably know this triple first D more for her talk show in the 90s. Oh, 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 oh. Ooh, that was Chris. Oh, I don't know. Well, okay. Sally Jesse Raphael. Sally Jesse <laughs> yeah. Raphael. Yeah. Oh, it I is. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a radio yeah. host. That's, she got, that's how she got her gig. All right. Okay. Yeah. This Hawaiian actor was widely praised for his portrayal of Bruce Lee in the movie Dragon. He then joined the Disney family. He voiced David in Lilo and Stitch and was the villain in the current live action Mulan. Dragon, the Bruce Lee story was. Oh. Dana? Is it, it's not Daniel Day Kim, or is it? No, 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 no. Okay. This is Jason. Scott Lee. Uh, okay. Jason right. Scott, Lee. Scott Lee. All right. Next one. This British actress was nominated for the Oscars, the Golden Globe, the SAG Award, and the BAFTA for The English Patient. And she was never in any of the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the one British actor not in the Harry Potter movie. She was also um, in Gosford Park. She was oh. also in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, what is her name? Gosh. Oh, gonna be so angry. It is. Yeah, what Kristen is Scott, Scott Thomas. Thomas. Yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. Oh, God, I can right. picture her face. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he broke our hearts in Dead Poets Society in the 90s and then played Dr. Wilson in House in the 2000s. Dr. Wilson. Dead Poets House. This is Robert Sean Leonard. Oh man, I don't I did not know it. I didn't know. I don't don't, when you when you said it, it was like, oh okay, but I don't know that I I don't I don't think I could have retrieved that. She played Miss Scarlet in the film Clue based on the board game. Oh my gosh. Um and her name is the one who She's is not wearing Madeline, Scarlet. Not Madeline Kahn. Uh, it's um, Sheepers. Her name. Oh, man. I don't it's, know. Is it something and something? 
Yes. Leslie okay. Ann Warren. Yes. There we go. All <laughs> yeah. right. Okay. Teamwork. Leslie teamwork. Yep. 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 Yeah. All right. Good. Good teamwork. Yeah. She switched bodies with Lindsay Lohan in Freaky Friday. <laughs> Chris. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Jamie right. Lee Curtis. Uh. In 1963, he was arrested while hiding at a Dallas movie theater called the Texas Theater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please, uh, Colin. Uh, the that is uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Do you know the name of the movie that was playing at the theater? You know, once upon a time I did, but I cannot retrieve it. I did a huge like JFK kind of report thing at one point in high school, but no, it has I is absolutely not in the punch bowl right now. Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, you know, assassination of JFK. He, you know, afterwards he hid in a movie theater, and that's where he got arrested. The movie theater was playing a film called War Is Hell. Mm. War uh. Is Hell. Yeah. All right. Good job, everybody. I think that's. I think we've exhausted the bank of uh, <laughs> they're not making new I mean. ones fast enough yeah. yeah and that's our show thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening in hope you learned stuff about the metric system uh, about 2012 about October 10th and about colored decapods colored lobsters you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Spotify and on all podcast apps and on our website goodjobbrain.com this podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like The Projection Booth, The Pirate History Podcast, and Movie Therapy. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.